I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you. Hi everyone, I'm Jason Ballara and this is the Know Your Why podcast. Uh, today we're here with Savannah Arroyo. She, you may know her, she's the net worth nurse. Uh, she comes from a, a nursing background and is, is adding real estate investor to her uh, what I know is a very busy life. So um, thank you for coming on today, Savannah. Yeah, thank you. I'm super stoked to be here. Yeah. So do you want to just maybe go ahead and start, you know, sort of give people a little bit of your background and sort of where you were and where you're headed and, and then we'll kind of dive into, you know, sort of wherever that takes us. Yeah, definitely. So I grew up in Northern California in Sacramento, and I knew from an early age that I wanted to go right into nursing. I was just something I was very passionate about. So right out of high school, I went to Sacramento State University, started working on my nursing degree, graduated from there in 2013 uh, with my bachelor's in nursing. And then I worked in a couple different specialties uh, at a couple different hospitals, and I was just finding myself naturally gravitating towards different leadership positions and working on different process improvement projects within the hospital. And I ended up going back to school and I got my master's degree in nursing leadership and administration. And since then, I've relocated down to beautiful LA and I oversee multiple departments at a hospital here. And I got started real estate investing at the beginning of 2020. I was on maternity leave with my second daughter and just looking for ways to kind of start creating additional streams of income. My husband and I work full-time jobs and we just knew that with two young daughters, we wanted to have more time freedom than we had. We were working 40 hours, uh, 40 hour weeks. Um, I mean, we still are Monday through Friday, like eight to five. And so we were just looking and thinking about being able to take our daughters to soccer practice or swim lessons and field trips. And our current schedules just didn't fit with that. And so we were looking into ways to create multiple streams of income to offset our full-time W-2 income so that we could have more flexibility. And so real estate was really the perfect path for that for a lot of different reasons, but there's just so much you can do with it and so many ways you can kind of generate additional income streams. And so we originally started investing in single family homes, but then um, shortly after switched into multifamily syndications. And that's what we're doing right now. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, and I mean, a lot of that really resonates with me as, as a veterinarian, someone in the medical field. I, I always, I was a kid. It was like, what are you going to be when you grow up? I'm going to be a vet. Like it, it was just always there. That was part of it, but it was, uh, you know, kind of the birth of my son two and a half years ago. That was like, I need more time, right? It's just that kind of that time freedom that, uh, that, you know, real estate can afford you. So um, I can totally relate. Although being home with a newborn seems like maybe a hard time to <laughs> decide to pick up yet another career. Is it, was it motivated? I, I can't imagine you're bored at that point. So I, I'm sure it's not that. I, what sort of made that, I don't know, what flipped that switch for you at that point? 
Yeah, I think just really like the impending doom of having to go back to work when you have a newborn, you know, and like I, I went back to work at when my both my daughters were three months old. So they were little, little and I'm handing them over to someone else to take care of them. But I just, you know, needed the, the income for my job. And so really just kind of that heavy weight of knowing I'd have to go to back to work soon was just very motivating in terms of like, I need to find a way kind of out of this and just to find a way to create a different source of income. And yeah, I mean, I was definitely busy at home. I didn't have my two-year-old running around with me. She was going to daycare. So I was super selfish with my time with my baby, but we were going to the um, walks at the park every day. And I was just binging all sorts of podcasts on my headphones while I was walking with her. Like if I was at home cooking dinner, doing anything like that, cleaning, just hanging out and nursing her. I was just watching YouTube videos and um, just really taking advantage of the fact that I was just there with her taking care of her and could like consume all this audible information. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, when something strikes you, that passion strikes you for something, it's like, okay, you just, you find the time. It's like people, I think people will ask, I'm sure you've heard it, I've heard it. It's like, well, how do you have, you don't have, you already work too much, you don't have time for this. And it's like, well, I enjoy it. And also, if you look at the long-term vision, that that work now is going to pay off in the future with more time freedom and 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 the ability to spend more time with your kids and things like that so um i see i see you know sort of i really do feel a lot of similarities in our journey our journeys um you said that that you so you and your husband are sort of doing it together yeah Yep. So I definitely got hooked first because I was at home on maternity leave, just consuming all this education material. And so he'd come home from work and I'd be like, oh my God, listen to this. We got to do it. But he read, he was a, like investor savvy in terms of like, he read Rich Dad, Poor Dad in college. Like he was aware of kind of just the general sense of real estate and, and investing specifically. And so um, he was very much on board as soon as I kind of started presenting him with like our ability and kind of an action plan to get started on it now. And yeah, I mean, honestly, now at this point in our business, I couldn't imagine doing it without him. We've just really created this business together. And our why is really based foundationally on our family and what we want to do for our family. So it's super important that we're on board with what we're doing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's, it's really nice to have the help to my wife's very supportive of everything, but she also doesn't really have an interest in it. So it's kind of like, that she doesn't want to she doesn't want to learn any of the components of it it's kind of like no you you're, you do what you need to do but I, I don't really want so I think it's nice to have that and it's I'm sure you, you realize quickly it's not a single person job right it's you know doing syndication it, it really can't do it by yourself so how do you how do you guys divide that up do you have you know sort of very defined roles and responsibilities. You kind of just take it on the fly. What what do you have? It's that structure. Yeah, we were definitely winging it when we first started and just kind of going through the motions. Like when we switched over into multifamily, we signed up for a coaching mentorship program. So we were going through that together and we had our eyes set on syndications. And just because we had generated a lot of interest with friends and family and people wanting to invest, and we really wanted to make it like a team sport and build a business out of it. So we were going down the syndication route. And so we signed up for a coaching mentorship program to really help us through that in terms of like the underwriting, raising capital, all the legality 
realities of um, raising money from other people. And so we invested in something like that to really kind of have a foundation and just the extra experience looking over our shoulders. So when we started doing that first deal, we were going through every step of the process side by side together. We were on every coaching call together. We were on calls with investors together, on calls with the lawyers together, our brokers. We were having phone calls together. And so it was very time consuming because yeah. now we're trying to coordinate schedules together and with all these other people. But we did it side by side through that first deal just because we both wanted to learn all aspects of the business. And then after we did that first deal, it was kind of like, we split up certain parts that each other liked. Um, so, I mean, right now for my job at the hospital, I oversee healthcare operations for multiple departments here. And so I naturally thought like, oh, I'm gonna do the asset management. Like I, I was gravitating towards that of like, kind of making sure the project was going well. But that first project we had, we, it was this, a very strong value add and we were dealing with contractors on like a daily basis. And I could not have those conversations for the life of me. I could not deal with contractors. and so. That that was something I quickly handed over to my husband because he has the patience of a saint and just was better having those conversations. And so we were flexible with kind of what we wanted to be doing. And then kind of when it came terms to like launching a brand, my husband was like, yeah, I'm not going to be the face of the business. Like, that's all you go out there and do your thing. Like, and he's a hundred percent supports me and kind of how you mentioned before, just having like a sounding board for the different ideas that we're going through. Like we very much work on different parts of the business now, but even when I'm like doing a presentation or looking to post something on social media, like, and I'm kind of weary about it, I just show him it and he gives me his insight, which is super helpful. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, just having someone even, you know, the roles are somewhat divided, but having someone to be able to bounce those ideas off, I'm sure is, is tremendously helpful. And, and, again, it's like, it's not something you do by yourself. So if you're both doing the same activity all the time, that doesn't really increase your efficiency. So it, it makes a whole lot of sense to sort of divide it up at that point. Um, well, tell me, tell me a little bit about your portfolio, what you guys are, what, what you've got, what, where, where you're headed, kind of what's, what's the situation? Yeah, so we did, we got the two single family homes when we first started, but we're just, we're kind of tapped out with our capital at that point and just went uh, right into the multifamily syndications. And um, we did a 12 unit up in Oregon that we raised with friends and family. And then um, quickly after from the same broker, we got a 24 unit. Um, so that was a little bit of a heavier raise that um, I had just launched my brand at the beginning of that raise and I had some traction from it um, and then still kind of some referrals when, when it came to raising money. So my husband and I um, operated that one together. We brought on a couple of guarantors on the loan for the financing because we were still like newbies and couldn't really uh, qualify for all the financing and for the first deal as well. And then the third deal we got from the same broker and it's an 18 unit up in Oregon as well. And we did kind of the same sort of financing structure of bringing on a couple LPs as guarantors on the loan and then offering them a piece of the GP. So we've kind of um, structured them as my husband and I kind of taking them down ourselves as sole operators at this point because they're kind of, I mean, they're smaller uh, multifamily deals, 12, 24, and 18. Um, and that was just kind of like some sweet spots that we were hitting with our broker in terms of him sending us deals and my ability to raise the capital for him. But um, so I don't, we're still kind of deciding if after this 18 unit that we're closing on in a couple of weeks, if we want to like start scaling or just kind of continue to ride out this sweet spot um, of where we're at right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I would imagine 
there, there's something to be said for that, like you said, that sweet spot where you, you're not competing with in institutional investors. You're not, you don't have all of that, maybe not quite as much competition, but you know, you pick up a handful of those, you've got quite a few units. And if you're keeping the, the number of investors small, it, I, I think, you know, some people put a lot of stock in the number of units that they have, but I, mm -hmm. it, it's always a matter of, well, okay, maybe you can say that, but really how much of that do you control? How much of that, that actual ownership? I was wondering if you would just for listeners kind of talk about, you mentioned the loan guarantors and, and just kind of explain why you need that, because I feel like a lot of the um, sort of media associated with this says it's easier to get a loan in commercial real estate than it is in residential. Mm -hmm. Sort of, sort of. And, right. and so it's kind of, there are sides to that. So maybe would you speak to that as to, to really so explain that to people? Yeah, definitely. This was a huge learning curve when we moved into multifamily and commercial lending. And yes, we heard the same thing like, oh, it's so much easier because they're basing it on the property and that sort of thing. And so with agency debt, that's true, but also agency debt wants their operators. So the people managing the deals also like the general partners, JPs, all the same thing. They're wanting those people to have like two to three years of experience and coming in as a newbie it's you're stuck. You almost, you have to bring on a sponsor for these deals or a key principal or a KP. Um, and it's someone who's basically just signing on the loan with you. And it's someone who has the experience. They have the net worth liquidity. They have the portfolio and the track record. It's someone that you're basically just leveraging their experience in the field. And then yeah. they usually get, you know, a small portion of the GP. I think like maybe 10%, I, I think experience sponsors request more, but I, it's different everywhere. I hear all sorts of things, but that's kind of like the relationship that you build um, to kind of partner to do these deals. So for us, we ended up going, we didn't qualify for agency debt for that first deal because it was a $1 million price point. So our loan was 750,000 um, and you have to be at 1 million in order to qualify for agency debt. So we went with a local credit union and they with local, with credit unions, it's a federal which we didn't know this either, it's a federal regulation that ownership has to own 51% or over 50% of the building. So this is difficult in the syndication model because you don't own 50 over 50% of the building. Usually syndications are split 80-20. That's pretty average as the owner's owning 20% of the deal, the investors owning the other 80%. So for us, we were in a position where now we had to bring on some people to sign on the loan with us, some investors, some LPs, some limited passive investors in the deal. And so kind of how we structured this is we got creative in terms of we were creating relationships with people who were passively investing in deals, but maybe in the future, they were wanting to take a more active approach, but they weren't there yet. So we kind of had conversations with people who were in the wanting to invest passively, but thinking like, oh, maybe down the road, I, I will want to do it active. And so we, we were asking them to sign on the loan with us because now they're signing on the loan with us. Um, they're not having to do any extra work besides signing on the loan. We're giving them like five, 10% of the GP 
And now when they go forward looking for deals, they'll be able to tell brokers and lenders, hey, I've been a GP on a deal. This is this is my past experience. And so it's kind of we structured it to create kind of a win-win relationship. We were able to get the deals done. And now we're offering some of our passive investors a GP opportunity. Yeah, that, and that's fantastic and a great explanation. Thank you. I think it's uh, it's about getting creative, right? Like you you keep running into these roadblocks along the way. It's like you're hearing it's easier to get a loan, and then you try to get a loan, and it's like no, you don't have the experience or the liquidity and net worth. Okay, I need to I need to find someone who does. You bring them in, and 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 as you mentioned, I didn't know about that fifty percent. So. Did you give any thought to structuring it as a joint venture versus a syndication? I don't know if that would have changed the lending requirements, but I know that's you know things that people will do uh, if if you have not too many investors, I guess. Yeah, definitely. That was something that a lot of people suggested to us. Even our coach that we were working with was to potentially structure it as a JV, especially because it was a smaller, it was a $1 million property. Um, but for us, we really just went into it with the syndication mindset. So we really didn't see anything else. Like we didn't really see any other opportunity in terms of like, we were already factoring in the legal fees and all these scenarios that would have to make it work as a syndication. And we wanted that experience of raising money, going through the PPM and the legal fees and now doing investor communication. So we just went full force into the syndication model. But yes, that deal definitely could have been structured as a JV. And that's kind of the deals that we're hoping to potentially do down the road as we continue to grow our capital um, is to potentially do kind of some JV deals like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's... uh again, just being creative and, and, you know, sort of figuring out what it's, but I think as far as the educational, you know, sort of value there in, in structuring it as a syndication so that you have been through a, you know, a syndication process, I'm sure that helps you uh, with future syndication as well. So it totally makes sense. Um, why Oregon? Most people, I, it's not one that you hear, like Oregon's a beautiful place, but it's not one that you hear about commonly as, oh, this is a great market to invest in. What what made you kind of head there? Yeah, definitely. So, um, well, like, you know, I live in Los Angeles, as you do too. And so the price point to entry is just a lot higher here. And we were wanting to make our capital stretch a little bit further. And so we were really set on the Georgia market and that's where we did our single family homes. And so we were originally looking out there to do multifamily deals, but as we kind of were starting out and just wanting to get practice underwriting over and over and over, um, that's, I mean, honestly, how you get good at underwriting is just analyzing as many deals as you can. Um, I mean, it's it's very similar to like math problems in school, right? The more you do, the better you get at them. And so we were just looking up at deals up there because we knew the market my parents live up there and so we were just looking at numbers and and properties up there just to kind of get an idea of like comparing different markets and we found one where the numbers looked good and we ended up just reaching out to the broker and then ended up doing three deals with them so we just kind of started rolling from there and then um, just once you have a team developed already in a market it just becomes so much easier to keep doing things there and then to just I mean it's allowed us to stay very focused and to have build a great team as opposed to like building a bunch of different teams kind of in different markets, we have a very solid team there in Oregon. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's going to allow you to scale, you know, sort of once you have those relationships there, it's going to allow you to scale faster in that market. So, you you know, you've got this broker already bringing you deals. It's kind of like, well, why why wouldn't you just keep doing that? Um, What's the, you know, sort of landlord tenant 
relationship to what, from a legal standpoint, how, you know, obviously some states are more landlord friendly, some are more tenant friendly. I, I actually don't really know what the, the status is in, in Oregon. Yeah, that was something that we had constantly heard about too, that it was very similar to California in terms of being a very um, tenant friendly state, not necessarily for landlords. And so that was something that we just very much did front end work of having very open and honest communication and conversations with our property management team and asking them their experience evicting tenants, what problems have they seen with this, what are big issues that they experience with these tenant friendly laws and a lot of them just it I think that what you hear about it is so much worse than it actually is I mean even with the rent control right so there's rent control in Oregon but it's 9.1 percent for the year 2021 and I mean none of our business strategies involve raising rent over 9.1 percent I mean (laughs) that's super aggressive and are we underwrite so conservatively to begin with that it's it was like okay a lot of people don't even look in Oregon because they think oh there's rent control it's a deal breaker but if they knew that it was 9.1 percent a year like I'm sure a lot of these operators could make their numbers work with that so it's kind of just, I think the talk of it is a lot worse than it actually is. But as you start diving into it and having like real open conversations with people who are there doing it, um, like property management was key getting their take on it. Um, and then after we had those conversations, we realized that it wasn't going to be as big of a nightmare as people thought. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, almost no one is going to be underwriting 9% rent bumps on a yearly basis anyway. So it's kind of, it's, it's effectively not having rent control, right? I guess it's the big thing is if you have, and this is kind of the issue in California too, right? With rent control is if you have someone in there who's way under market, Mm -hmm. you can't just kind of (laughs) quickly put, bring them up to a market rate, but you know, so that's something you deal with over time. I, I just don't, I think that was actually very smart of you to, you know, sort of go to a market that maybe isn't one that, everybody's looking at and there's going to be more opportunities and you did the market research and did you know you knew everything you needed to know to to go in there and actually make it work so that's that's fantastic um i wondered if you would maybe talk about the correlation or the similarities between your nursing career and now what you're finding in in real estate because personally as i started to dive into it at first i was like oh man, this is an entirely different world. And then not so much, right? It's, you can start to take some of the lessons you've learned building your career thus far and apply them to real estate as well. So I wondered what your take on that was. Yeah, definitely. I know it was very intimidating coming into the real estate world with my nursing background because I felt like it was just just not helpful in the real estate world. Like it was not going to contribute at all to the skill set that I needed to be a real estate professional. But as I've been in the real estate world, I mean, a lot of the skills that I'm sure anyone has at their jobs are very transferable into real estate investing. So for me, the biggest things that I've found that transfer over very well into real estate is organization, great communication, time management. And that's something that I mean, nurses, you you got to have those skills to work effectively in the hospital, taking care of multiple patients at once. Even me now in an administrative type role, I oversee like six different departments here in the hospital. So working on different projects in each department, you know, I'm 
all day from the minute I walk in, I have either like physicians or some of my caregivers or different team members coming to me with problems. And unfortunately, that's kind of what it's like in real estate of, you know, investing in a multifamily deal. And then it's like all this stuff that goes wrong. I mean, not always if you do good due diligence, but there's unexpected things that happen and you need to have the problem solving skills to overcome those hurdles and those obstacles. Because in a business, it's natural for not everything to go right all the time. And so being able to problem solve, have the time management and prioritization and organizational skills to bounce between different projects at the same time, especially while doing multifamily syndications and raising money and um, kind of just working on different pieces all at the same time is it's super important. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're basically a manager and a problem solver mm -hmm. in, on both sides, right? Mm -hmm. That's, you know, you, you, things come up, you fix them, right? It's, I feel like that's, that's sort of medicine in a very, <laughs> a very simplified way, but it's like problems happen you fix them, right? For you, you know, people are sick, you try to make them better. For me, animals are sick, I try to yep. make them better, right? <laughs> things with your real estate, things, you know, things go wrong, you, you, you fix it, you have an angry tenant, you fix it. So it's, it's, the terminology is different, right? Yeah. It's like, you don't, you didn't learn all the, you know, cap rates and NOI and all that's not part of medicine. But, at, but once you figure it out, the, the basic concepts are very, very similar. I think it's, uh, you just have to take those skills and figure out where they fit in. So I'm sure that your, you know, sort of experience as, as a department manager, as a nurse, probably makes figuring out how to run a syndication actually not that bad. It, it, you've got, you've yeah. got that, that background. So that's, that's pretty cool. And I feel like it's ta it, taking whatever you have in your past and, and trying to use it as a, as a skill to go forward, I think is, is great. So, um, you had said, you know, you kind of weren't sure about staying in this sort of size or if you were going to scale up. Is there something that's going to make that decision for you? Or you're just going to kind of see what happens. You're just, mm, we'll see what, see what the broker shows up with. Yeah. Well, so honestly, I mean, we did the three syndication deals within like a six month period. And on, even after we did the 24 unit, that was a pretty heavy raise. It was like 675 and it was pretty exhausting for me having just launched my brand and working full time. And I'm having investor phone calls. I felt like just on my lunch break before on my commute, coming into work after work on the weekends. And it was pretty exhausting that capital raise. And so I was telling my husband, okay, let's take a break after this one and kind of let me build my brand a little bit more. And then the broker brought us an amazing deal that my husband's like, all right, we can't pass up on this one. It's going to sell itself. Like we need to put it out there. And we were already had kind of some repeat investors from our first deal who were looking to get into another one. And so that one um, was good. And like I said, we're closing on that one in a couple of weeks, but I really want to kind of sit back and really um, focus on building my brand a little bit, some content creation, focusing on that side of my business specifically. And then, um, um, my husband's in the process of getting his real estate professional license just so we can claim that for tax for taxes for this year. So he's working on doing that. And so um, it will probably, we have our broker that, you know, we've done these three deals with and he is still sending us deals. So um, it will kind of depend on if we want to maybe go into a, a joint, a partnership with someone else and kind of take down maybe a bigger deal and be able to bring different um components to the deal structure or if we want to kind of do something ourselves and keep growing from there so 
Well, I, I think it's you know very common to as you grow, then you start to partner with other people to to do those bigger deals. I think that's become it's become clear to me that that's probably how it has to happen. Like, yeah, it's very hard to be right out the gate and and be like, okay, I'm I can do a five million dollar raise. Like, it just I, unless you already have those connections, that's probably virtually impossible until you you, know, you got to connect with some people that are at that level. So, yeah, I but you it's great. You have this broker that's bringing you deals. Like mm -hmm. that, that's a good problem to have. I, I know yeah. I understand you need a little bit of rest. So it's <laughs> kind of, <laughs> kind of wait for the perfect one to come along and then, uh, and then go after it. But yeah, it's, it's, it's great. And as you build your brand, you'll, you'll attract more and more investors. I don't think it'll be a problem. Um, well, Savannah, let me, uh, I don't want to take up all your time, but I, I have a few questions that I just like to ask every guest. So thought yeah. maybe we could get to those. Um, you touched on a little bit, but the, you know, sort of the name of the podcast is know your why. So, so what is your why and, you know, sort of what, what drives you at this point? Yeah, definitely. So this was something that right when we, my husband and I decided that we were going to be doing multifamily syndications, we sat down together with paper, like in an evening after we put our daughters to bed and we both wrote down like in five years, what we wanted our lives to look like. Like when we woke up in the morning, where were we waking up? Like what state, what country, what, what were we doing throughout the day? Like, what did that entail? Like, who were we talking to? What projects were we working on? What were we doing with our daughters? How was our time being spent? And it was super fun to just get creative of like where, where we want to be. And I love, I love different exercises like that because you can get so creative and it's just such a good reminder that you have so much control over your life and where you want to be and your daily choices really can drive you to like achieve anything you want to achieve in the future. And so we, um, got super specific on our why came together, kind of shared where we wanted to be. And we were pretty much at the same place and just wrote down like, okay, well, how much money do we need to bring in on a monthly basis to make that happen? Okay. Well, how many, units do we need to have to make that happen at five years? And then it was like, okay, well, how many do we need to acquire at three years? How many at one year? And it really laid out a blueprint of like exactly what we needed to be doing on a really a weekly basis of like, you know, how many offers do we need to be submitting? How many conversations with investors do we need to have? And so I think when you get super specific on your why, it lays out this blueprint of the action steps that you need to take to get there. And not only that, it's like a time where you can kind of come and have fun with it and become, bring that passion and the emotions into it of like what you're doing. And so when things get hard because they do get hard, you don't give up because you're super specific on your why. And for my husband and I, it's like, we're not going to be working Monday through Friday, 40 hours a week until we're 65. Like that's just not going to do it for us. And to get out of that is, you know, real estate is the path to get out of that. And so we're working extra hard after we're working full-time jobs in the evening hours to make this happen because we see that it will bring us the freedom down the road. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, I love the point about it, it gets hard, right? Yeah. There's, there's days where you're just like, what, what am I doing? This, <laughs> this is really exhausting. <laughs> like I worked all day, you know, got up early, did some podcasts, work all day. And then, you know, underwriting at night, I, I get it. Those some days you're just like, why am I doing that? So you absolutely need to have that why. And that's really what kind of sort of inspired me for doing this podcast. Um, tell us something about yourself that maybe people don't know. Uh, hobby, a guilty pleasure, just something that 
would be interesting and that you're comfortable sharing, obviously. <laughs> oh my gosh, this question always stumps me because uh, I don't ever like to say anything I've said on another podcast. Um, I think probably um, maybe that I, I really eat mostly like a vegan plant-based diet. I think that's kind of, well, I live in LA, so it's not like too oh, out of like, the norm. Like everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. here. Um, but I honestly, I mean, that's the biggest thing I've noticed in the last year is I've gotten super specific on my health and kind of just what I'm consuming and exercising. And that has really been such a game changer in like my energy levels and what I've been able to kind of achieve really because I just feel so good all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it's, it, <laughs> I say, yeah, like I understand because I, I do understand conceptually. I also am very guilty of eating cookies and donuts. So there's, yeah. <laughs> there are definitely those things that get me, but yeah, I, I, you just feel better, right? Yeah. You, eat, you eat healthy, you exercise, all of that just makes you feel better. So um, I totally, totally get it. Uh, how can people reach you? How would you like people to, to contact you? Yeah. The net worth show notes too. Yeah, the net worth nurse. So um, the net worth nurse on all social media handles. So that's Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, and Facebook. And I'm super active on social media. I just love sharing kind of what I'm doing in real estate and also some uh, glimpses into my personal life. Um, my website's the net worth nurse. I love connecting with people. If anything I said is remotely interesting to you, please reach out. I would love to connect. And we'll get, like I said, we'll get all that in the show notes. Um, last question, how can I or any of the listeners help you? How can we help you achieve, grow, scale uh, what in what, whatever way? Yeah, I guess just reaching out. I love collaborating with people. I'm going to be actually launching a uh, real estate meetup for healthcare professionals. So if there's anyone who wants to connect specifically with other medical professionals, um, people doing things in real estate, I would love to connect with you there. Yeah, I do. I would. I would like to be a part of that. Yes, for yes. sure. I'm going to make um, you be a speaker. Watch out. <laughs> that's, I, I, will, I will do it. I've had to do that in my career. It makes me nervous, but I'll do it as well. <laughs> Um, Savannah, th thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. I think uh, it's been really insightful and, and I, I love hearing your, your story. So again, thank you for coming on the, the podcast. Thank you. It's been my pleasure.